0: October 6th, 2022. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight I'm going to share a discussion on the recent discovery of the ancient pagan origins of many spirits in the Solomonic Goetia of the Lamegaton. Now, this new research for the forthcoming second edition of our very popular 1997 book, The Book of Solomon's Magic, has been undertaken by two of our senior OTA magicians, Very Honored Frater Solomon, Michael Johnson, and Very Honored Frater Sithmeth, Maximilian Paul, now both of whom will be calling in tonight to discuss their findings. It is universally acknowledged that the Goetic spirits, Baal and Astaroth are demonized versions of the Canaanite god Baal and his consort, the goddess Astarte. But the assignment of other deities of the Canaanite pantheon has proved difficult. Mike and Max will lift the veil and help us recover the lost companions of the Thunder God and the Queen of Heaven. And now, uh, uh, Mike and Max, I understand you're both on. That's good. Uh, Just uh, uh, kind of stand by here while I... Well, I give a little little bit of background for some people who haven't been, uh, you know, uh, keeping up with some of this. Uh, back in nineteen seventy, and nineteen sixty-nine and seventy, when uh, uh, when we were founding the Order of the Temple of Astarte, uh, I had I had had a, of course a vision of how to how to conjure these spirits to a uh, visible appearance, which we have since exploited and and. Uh, become, uh, quite frankly, the the leading ceremonial magic lodge in the Western world for doing that sort of thing. And, uh, and a lot of this was inspired by a book that I read at that time. Uh, it was published in 1967, a book called The Black Arts by Richard Cavendish. And that's still one of the best survey books of modern ceremonial magic, and it's been reprinted ever since. And in the Black Arts, uh, in in his chapter on the Galatia of the Lamegaton, which is which is the Solomonic spirit, spirit grimoire, that's be you know the seventy-two spirits that, that King Solomon supposedly bound in the vessel of brass back in 800 B.C. Um, and it is pretty obvious that the first spirit of the Shemiham Parash of that 72, the list of 72, the first spirit is Ba'il. And he was obviously an extrapolation from uh, from Baal, the, th- the thunder god of the Canaanites. And uh, the consort of the queen of queen astarte the queen of heaven who solomon uh if you recall the bible solomon actually built a temple to astarte and uh, uh so cavendish has stated the the view of of most anthropologists and and commentators that um that baal and astaroth in the goethe were actually uh, were actually extrapolations from, um, or demonizations of of Baal and Astarte, uh, the Canaanite god forms. Now, so so we, when we founded the Order of the Temple of Astarte, we were able to bring using these so-called demons. Actually, they're not demons at all, but they're spirits. But, but. Using these, uh, bring these spirits up in the triangle and the in the dark mirror. We were able to contact and resurrect the old the old gods of, uh, of ancient Canaan, and uh, and so that's the uh, Starte became the patron goddess of our temple, and we called ourselves the Order of the Temple of the Starte. Now, however, there are many more of these Gotic spirits. Who are also uh ancient pagan gods, and some of them are egyptian uh and and but but most of them we've been able to find uh, to discover uh were the canaanite pantheon and uh, and what's been going on here is that brother solomon uh for many years has has been uh, has been one of the main receivers of these uh these ancient spirits and in fact in our new uh, in our new edition of uh, Solomon's Magic the second edition we are going to have uh some of uh, some of Solomon's log entries uh from operations where he has received and operated uh for these uh, these spirits and so we'll have some of his artwork depicting the spirits anyway um but as we have been proceeding in getting the second edition ready and uh all of the research that we have done in in this and other areas of of Solomonic magic, all of this research uh has been going on and uh and prater Smith, and that, that's maximilian paul uh has uh, been one of the editors and uh and and so let's uh, let's get get on get on with our experts here and and start going here. Now um let's let's go down the whole Canaanite pantheon and uh and see what you guys have discovered. Uh um, Solomon, do you you have you got have you got the list right there? Yes, I do. You got the list? Yes. Okay, go ahead and. Uh, uh, I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing you guys to, too well, so speak up. Uh, for some reason or other, the volume on my I guess my cell phone. The volume is just not as high as it should be. Anyway, um, uh, just go ahead and and, uh, and and let's let's talk about uh let, let's talk about the other members of the, of, of the canaanite pantheon you know we got we got baal and we got a and uh have we got a have we got a candidate for father l um the the
1: we didn't find one for father l but we did find one for mother asherat which is beleth um Beleth is yes. actually a name that has been used by the Mesopotamians that means lady and it's also used by the Amorites which were a Canaanite tribe um, who are a little bit more inland um, so uh, Asherah is a, a lady surrounded by darkness uh, she's shrouded in mystery and we found the best, best candidate for her to be Beleth which means lady which is a, a typical title for uh, a number of goddesses, but the most close goddess was uh, a similar goddess to her in Mesopotamian lore, which is Ninhurstag, who is called Beleth Ili. So we we found Asherat to be comparable to uh, Beleth Ili. Um, El, we think, uh, just shows up as god himself in the Goetia. Um, Baal, of course, is Baal. And uh, Astarte, of course, is Astaroth, uh one thing that uh, was interesting is we found Dagon uh, in Zagon, and and that name, int- interestingly enough, also has a, a, me- a meaning in Hebrew which is useful, which is Sagon which means leader. And of course, Dagon is the father of Baal and, and contributes to the Pantheon greatly by being uh, Baal's father and uh, basically the father of the successor to the throne of El, Um he also has an interesting son who's not in the pantheon, but is just worthy of mentioning because his name is also straight Hebrew, and that's Hagentai. Hagentai is Hebrew for defensive, and um, that that fits well with both uh, Zagon and Hagentai both being bulls with wings who are of the office of president. Um, next, we found um, Anath. We found her in Glacia Lobolas who is the spirit who oversees manslaughter, and Anath is the spirit of war we found her to be fitting. Um, for Kusor, um, we found Marbus with all of his uh, tool-making to be perfect. Um, and for the, uh, the moon god, Yarek, we found uh, Larica, uh to be similar, who is a uh, Marquis, which means he's a lunar spirit. Uh, who has power over the water, which the moon had power over the tides. Uh, Tanit shows up uh, with another spirit with power over the water, which is the female moon goddess, um, and that shows up as uh, Vipar, who is a mermaid spirit. Um, Then uh, this was kind of interesting and difficult to find, but we did find Lotan. Um, Tanit is um, a manifestation of Astarte, and Astarte rides a dragon, and we found that, the dragon that she rides is actually, uh, the, the nameless dragon that Astarte rides, Astaroth, in the Goetia, is actually Lotan himself. Uh, we found Yam um, in a Goetic spirit who has tremendous control over the waters and uh, watery disasters. Uh, we found that in Ippos. And in a god who can bring any spirit of the dead named Murmur, we found Moat. So we found the entire Canaanite pantheon in the Goetia, which I did not expect us to. But um, over the last several weeks of us putting our heads together, we were able to drive that.
0: Yeah, you want to comment on this, Max?
2: Sure. Um, I mean, um, you, you explained it very well, Mike. Um, it's been, a, so. it was the whole project was itself a surprise. Um ultimately, this project grew out of um, an artifact of editing the work so that it was I, – when I, when I was editing the um, assembling and being typesetter and, and placing everything and, in the work, I was attempting to focus very heavily on the idea of ergonomics so that um, when you turned to a page, there would be one spirit. Um, or there would be one ritual or something like that so that it wasn't... You didn't have to keep flipping the pages in the middle of seeing one uh, packet of information, whether that's the profile of a spirit or whether that was a a ritual. And one of the things that I did was I decided, or we decided collectively, to um, put one spirit per page, which mostly worked, um, except for the fact that some of the spirit's descriptions are considerably longer than others. They have considerably more, inf- much more information. And this bled unavoidably onto a second page, but only just. And this happened for several spirits. It happened for uh, Belette. It happened for Horet. It happened for uh, Ose, And I realized, look, I'm going to have to fill up this space. This space needs to be filled up. And I realized there's these notes here. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe after this time there was a little bit more information found out about these spirits. Perhaps I can look into that and see what there is. And I did not expect that small editor question to become the epic project that it has become. This has been one of the most enlightening and incredible. Mike, I think you described it excellently well. You called it astral archaeology, and that is exactly what it feels like. At first, we were looking into the etymology. I mean, there's not much information. When you read these Goetic profiles, many of them are very similar to each other. They do very similar things. Some of them are near identical. I mean, as you say, or Zagan and Hargenti are oftentimes in a lot of Uh, A lot of scholars consider them to be duplicates of each other because they consider them to be uh, just magicians writing basically the same spirit under a different name a couple of times, uh, thinking that they're separate. But they are, and many spirits seem to come in pairs. Um, This was noted when I started to do the etymological research because I thought, oh, maybe I'll fill a couple of these profiles up just one or two here and there. Maybe there'll be a little bit more information on these things, which was, in hindsight, a naive uh, thing to suggest, as almost every single Goetic spirit is a god, whether that's from the uh, ancient Mesopotamian pantheon or whether that's an ancient Greek god of the underworld. And we basically found all of the gods of the ancient Greek underworld there. We found Persephone. We found Kerebus, Orcus, Dionysus, Janus, Saturn, Hades, Eris. And funnily enough, we recently located Dedalion, who just goes under the name Dantalion. And it's fascinating that no one had actually realized that Dedalion, the ancient Greek son, of the morning star, son of Lucifer, Lucifer proper, to say the morning star, um, just appears as dantalion And this project, the more you look, the more you see, and the more you realize what has happened, the more you realize, firstly, that as, you realize many, as you've realized many, many times, Pope, Almost all of the dukes, the ones whose sigils are meant to be emblazoned in copper, they're women. None of the demons in the Goetia are expressed as women. They're all he. He does this, he does that, he appears as a buxom woman. And it doesn't seem to occur to the authors that, oh, maybe the spirit actually is some kind of a woman. No, no, it's it's the he who's deceiving you with a feminine appearance. No, almost all of the dukes are female. Astaroth is there, Astarte is there, Beleth is well Beleth is actually a king. Queen, which would is appropriate for the Queen of Heaven, Ashira. Um as all of the kings are uh, it's a, it's an exceptionally deep and incredible thing to have done. I'm what do you think of it, Mike?
1: Well, I, I'm pretty excited. Um, I, I can't wait for people to start reading this. It, it, it's going to be quite a read, and it's going to add new life. It's going to infuse new life into Goetia that's going to last for centuries. People are going to be looking back at this. They're going to be making movies, and they're going to use spirits from the, the Goetia, and they're going to be using our findings in, in in their works in the future, and that's that's pretty exciting when you think about it. It, it might not happen in our lifetime, but uh when we're gone people will look back and they'll say uh yeah there are these guys back in the 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 2000s and uh <laughs> they they found all this fascinating information and and we decided to weave it into our story and our movie to give life to the spirits that uh we uh showcased um i think it'd be awesome to have a mo- movie with Dan he's uh he or she oh, yeah. is one of my favorite <laughs> spirits uh, a little bit more on the yeah. feminine side. Well, let's, let, um, let's don't
0: forget Teal and Hey, wait a minute, guys. Let's don't forget Teal and Charlie, uh, andromalius. Yeah. Oh, but who was andromalius? Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: No, we can't Andru- do that. Andromalek. And, so that one's a yeah. That one's a fascinating one. Um, one of the books that continued to come up when I was looking into the etymological research of these names was one specific book. Um, which I had no idea existed um, before this project. I was just basically searching for these terms, these these, uh, and regularly this one book kept coming up and up and again and again, and it was Stelass de Monum by uh, David Crowhurst. And the purpose of the book was an attempt to take not just the goetic spirits, but their counterparts in many of the other grimoires whether that's um, the Pseudo-Monarchia pseudo Demonum, or whether that's the Libra de sprit or whether that's even the uh, Book of Abramel and the Mage, which has its own little goetic uh, counterpart list of spirits. He took them all and attempted to basically connect those spirits which seemed identical to each other. And he would explore the etymology of these names in an attempt to assign them to specific logical um time and um astronomical movements of the planet so that they would be evoked i suppose you could say with greater uh, uh planetary concordance that was the purpose of his book it wasn't to expose the uh the godhood of these spirits it was just simply to um I guess you could say increase the 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 astrology of them. It was like uh,
0: um, well, what's the story, what's the story on Andri- wait a minute? What uh, we're getting off the subject. I asked you about Andromalius, uh, What?
2: Yes. So, in the book in Thelas Daemonum, he thinks that Andrialphus and Andromalius are basically the same spirit. This is apparently in some circles considered that they are just duplicates again. Of each other, because they're very similar in powers, their names are very similar, but we realize this is not the case. Andromalius is Adra-Melech, an ancient, uh, Syrian god. He's one of the head of his pantheon. He has a wife, and his wife is Anna-Melech. Now, Anna Melech as Melech, um, in fact, Mike, why don't you describe this? Because you've done a lot more of the Hebraic work, and you know exactly uh, where this is going.
1: Well, uh, a, a, a uh seems to derive from one of two possible um, roots, and that's Adar Melech or Adad Melech. Um, Adad Melech would mean Hadad the king, which would refer to Baal. Adar Melech would refer to Adar, who is uh, an Assyrian god of Saturn. Uh, which is appropriate because there's virtually no Saturnian spirits. In fact, there's only one. So uh, when we did a working with Andromalius, Andromalius says, "Hey, look, I'm Saturnian. Could you, could you recognize me as such? You'll get more power out of
0: me if you do." Um, uh, so wait, um, wait, 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 no, no, no. whoa, 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 whoa. We gotta, we have to consult with the Grand Brazier, Brazier at the Temple of Firkus. You remember? Oh yeah, we we will yeah. get to Furcus. <laughs> oh yes,
1: Furcus, yes. <laughs> we did some great work yeah. with Furcus. Uh Furcus probably is Saturn himself. Um but um we we found Andromeda had had a, a, his name means Saturn is king. Um and then mm-hmm. Anmalek means Anu or the sky is king. And uh, it appears that this actually refers to uh, an Assyrian version of Baal and Astarte, which would be Adarmalek and Animalek. Um, yeah. And Animalek shows up as Uh So you have two Andrew, Andra names that uh, actually are a pair of deities. Uh, but on to Fircus, so we're not forgetting about him. Very important, and we found two Hebrew meanings uh, that have similar meanings. Um, uh and and uh Jewish writers did this all the time, Hebrew writers did this all the time where they would um they would purposely conflate words together that had similar meanings or different meanings but sounded the same. Um in this case, fercus comes from the root which is ferak or ferech. Now they, they have two different but similar meanings. Ferak means to break or to end or to sever. Ferech means to break forth or to blossom like a flower blossoming. So here we have Saturn uh, in his role of agriculture, which is to end the old life and to give way to the new life. So this is what Fergus does. Fergus is the only Saturnian spirit, and uh, we think that that's actually Saturn himself. And and if you, you want to talk about being close to L, if L is identified with Saturn, then that would be uh, that would be where we would find L in, in in the Goetia, Um or at least where we would find Saturn.
0: Well now, Mike, actually, I L, actually... L, L actually L L is the uh, is the name of, of power attributed to Hesed, And that and that right in itself brings up something that I wanna uh point of discussion I want you guys to kick around. Uh, you know, when we laid out uh the pantheon we we laid out the pantheon before we had these these uh, gaelic cognate names for it and and we laid them out to the spheres on the tree of life and of course uh as 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 you you both know and i think most everybody else knows we use a western yoga system where the chakras are the spheres not not the paths like in the the Eastern system that they're the path, but in the Western chakra system, uh, the chakras are the spheres, of the, uh, which are the planets, and uh, and uh, so when we laid when we laid our Canaanite the rest of the Canaanite pantheon out on the tree of life, uh, we did not we had things that like uh, like for instance, uh uh Kusor, the craftsman god, uh who would be Asclepius among the Greeks and would be Kusor among the Canaanites and Tubal Cain of course, uh and he ends up in Hod in Mercury in in in, in Hod, which is attributed to Mercury. However, uh the first the first uh commentator to uh to locate uh uh um zagon who has, and as dagon and we would put him in have said they uh leo holmes uh in the lamogaton he put uh he put zagon in hod and um uh no as you yeah yeah that's right he uh he put Zagon, I believe, in Hod, and whereas we would put Dagon Dagon, uh, if if in fact Zagon is cognate with Dagon. We would we, we 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 would put him in Hesed. Now, this is a problem we're going to have in, in getting these uh goetic spirits uh, cognate with our Canaanite gods on the spheres. We're gonna to have to do a lot of juggling around uh in in positions on the tree of life and that's going to be one heck of a job uh to uh to work some of that out anyway uh uh the other thing i wanted to mention while you're on the subject is let's give let's give some credit to the people like leo holmes who did uh did manage to get the zagon and and the zagon and dagon connection and then uh uh max there's that what's that other book that you you were showing me the the demon or the, the demonorium or what was it
2: yes that's the book that i was just referencing stella Simonum by david crowhurst a lot of this work has been done to some degree in the past more the more obvious ones i mean i i i shouldn't probably use the term obvious because it's not really some of them aren't obvious but with a minimal or shallow etymological excavation, you can very quickly and easily see the gods that they are talking about. Some of the others, many of the others, are a lot more... The one that comes to mind that's a lot more subtle is Amy. Um, A very strange Mm. name for a spirit. It seems like such a mundane name. Until you look into the etymology of the name Amy specifically from a hebraic standpoint this was an enjoy this was each one of these spirits has been an enjoyable and lengthy conversation and, e- and e- exploration between um Solomon and I and Amy I think that's mostly your work Mike and so I'll let you describe the enjoyable journey of etymology that reveals who Amy really is go ahead
1: I- it took us a long time with Amy uh, because we were trying to figure out which female entity she was closest to, and, and I thought Asherat at first, but Asherat fit, fit uh, Belef so well that I knew we had to come up with a new identity for Amy. Amy is Hebrew uh, for my mother, and uh, there's virtually no other translation that you can make out of it, so you have to look for a maternal figure for Amy to be. And uh, I, I thought, well, maybe it's Lilith, uh, but that didn't quite work. Amy is a flame. Um, and Max asked me the question, well, there are, are, are there any Canaanite deities that manifest as flames? And I said, no, there's not. Uh, and, and then I, I was looking up another deity, and I came across Shapash. Uh, by accident who uh, is the Canaanite uh, goddess of the sun. Um, she manifests as the most obvious flame in the sky, which is the sun itself. And um, she is frequent, frequently referred to as the mother or aim. So uh, we were able to uh, piece that together. She was also referred to as a torch, which fits her manifestation. As, so she, um, she's, a uh, she's
0: the Canaanite. She is the Canaanite Shopshish, right?
1: Uh, well, she's Shapash. So is that Shopsish, be the same Shopsish,
0: thing? Shopshish is, right, yes, yes. is the Canaanite sun goddess. Yes, the same.
2: And I might also yeah, right. add that the alternate name for Amy, because many of these spirits have many names. Some of them bear no relation to the former name. Uh, but hers, Amy, or Avnas, and Arba, in Latin means grandmother. And so it was, became very clear that this living torch was an embodiment of Shepash. And I might say something, actually, as a very important point on the etymology of these spirits, and I will use the spirit of Garies, number two, as an example, and, and this is important. When we were looking into the possible etymology of Ageres, um, whom we think we may have identified as Gaia, and that's a, that's a, that is, sounds like a bit of a jump, but bear with it. Aguirre is a duke, and almost certainly female. Now, the etymology of Aguirre would show that it, has, it bears similarity to many different etymologies to argos, which is Greek, and that can mean swift, to the Hebraic agar, which is Hebrew for to flee, and also in Latin agero means to remove, as does the Hebrew, I think it's uh, agar. Is that right, Mike? Agar
1: means uh, to gather.
2: To gather, that's right. In the Proto-Indo-European root agar, means to gather as by land. And also agri, where we get agriculture from, means field. And fascinatingly, despite all of these possible etymological meanings, an associated power to each and every single one of those etymologies exists in the spirit, agariz. Meaning that the name somehow has translated. The name agariz is almost, it's almost as if these names are some kind of Uh, psychic genetic code. They are linked to the great unconscious in such a way that the spirits gather powers based upon possible etymologies of their names, like some kind of sympathetic field that acquires these potencies. And that happens with almost all the spirits. In fact, I think it happens pretty much with all of them, that if they have more than one power... It's probably because their name has more than one possible etymological root. And that was a very enlightening revelation because it, it proves that these spirits, these gods, are aspects of the human collective unconscious. It proves that, that they are not separate to us that they are, in, they are a part of the human experience, the human psycho-spiritual experience. And even anything externalized, anything physical that can relate to them is still part of that, the mysteries of this bizarre unconscious reality.
1: Would you like to comment on that, Mike? Um. Just uh, just to agree with it, I I, I was thinking in another direction. Um, uh, well, uh, that that might sound a, a little silly on the surface, on the surface, but when you think about it, you have names which in Hebrew have multiple meanings in the Hebrew, like Hagentai. Uh, you look at the spelling. Uh, with the extra A in there, it's indicating an Aleph. Uh, it's indicating an extra letter. But the sound, uh, because Aleph is a silent letter, the sound has two meanings to it. It means both defensive, but it also means, and this is much more alchemical and appropriate for an alchemical spirit such as Haganti, uh, it means um, the bowl of dew from heaven, um, so, or, or the bowl of heavenly dew, uh, re- referring to, um, we know that Joseph, uh, before there was the Goetic mirror, there was the Goetic bowl that he used, where there was water and a silver bowl that he would look into to prophesy. Um, so th- this is hinting at a heavenly version of that, and, and a foreshadowing of the Goetic. Um, I, I was going to, to go on to the next spirit who is related to Darius, which is the Sago which also um, has an interesting, you were able to derive Latin from it, and I was able to derive Hebrew from it. Now, the Hebrew, uh, washago, uh, means, and he erred, or, and he made a mistake. And and this would refer to uh, the spirits having fallen. Um, So, oops, they messed up, They, they fell but now they're with us and now they're part of us and, and they're part of our enlivening consciousness and uh you were able to to, to find that the uh visago latin vas means vessel and sagio means prophesy so it's a fallen vessel of prophecy um yes we were the also combined-ness able to find of it yeah as right as the, as the, as the, it's
2: almost like this again it's like as I mean one of the productions that that both you and Pope did was the um, the dark mirror of magic I think it was that the recording that we we sell and we have um, and in that you channeled the Sago as a prophet as a prophetic thing like you you were able to channel that it's as if this he is the the Hebrew and the Latin seemingly unrelated merge into being this spiritual identity of the fallen vessel of prophecy. And that is the combination of all of that. Actually, Mike, you have to talk about the incense.
1: Oh, this, this is interesting. One thing that we noticed about several of the names is that they're indicators of incense ingredients, which we haven't been using, but which are individualized for particular spirits. Uh, for instance, furfur, uh, an additional ingredient you're going to want to use with him is bran, which is part of wheat. Um, it, it, it's it, it's the outer shaft of the wheat because furfur is Latin for bran. It, it means the exact same thing. Uh, another spirit, um, and this is the fourth spirit after Visago, is uh, samagina. Samagina is uh, plainly got a um, Hebrew meaning which is uh, sweet aromas of the garden or sweet garden aromas, which means you're going to want fresh flowers included in the, uh, I I think jasmine is the ingredient that you would typically include to Samagina, but you don't want jasmine alone. You want uh, additional aromas in there. Uh, Well, I think one of the things
2: that was, well, before you go on, I I do want to make a comment on Samagina, Um, and that is when we were having a conversation and all of a sudden the sort of penny dropped and we were like, wait a minute, is this Persephone? Because the combination of Samagina in the profile that comes from the Goetia is less explicit in this regard because it appears as a horse or a small donkey and gives account of the dead souls that died in sin. But from the Liber Officium Spiritum, the another uh, Goetic uh, repository, The similar spirit, Kagine, is essentially the same spirit, but instead rides a pale horse, which is, of course, coming from the underworld. When spirits ride a pale horse, it indicates that they're coming from the other world of the dead. And also, Kagene, gives an account of those who died at sea, which is to say the same as those who died in sin, which is to say they were not given their last rites, they were not buried, they are not in that theological bureaucracy of waiting to go into heaven they're obviously in some kind of pagan purgatory unavoidably because they weren't given their last rites, the various Catholic bureaucracy, but we realize that means that this is a, 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 a psychopomp a spiritual guide for human souls and we realize wait, sweet aromas of the garden we, we realize that this must be Persephone and if that's the case, then we should probably use her sacred flower, Asphodel, as her incense, as her name suggests that the sweet aromas of the garden may be required. Now, what were you going to say,
1: Mike? Uh, well, well, that was it. You covered it. Well, I mean about the next spirit that you were going to talk about. Oh, um, well, well, there's quite a few that we could cover. um, Sitri uh, is another about, one that yes, Citri. C- citri uh has a root uh w- which means citrus. Uh at least in Irish, probably in other Indo-European languages. Um her name also means supernatural power in Sanskrit and she is worshipped as a goddess called Sidi uh Ganesha's wife and she's a wish-granting goddess of fortune, but uh, the most compelling goddess for Citri is Siduri. Uh, who is um, the daughter of Bal Haddad. Um, so that means she could be uh, Pidre, who is the uh, maiden daughter of Bal Haddad, uh, because her name is also Bitru. So Bitru and Pidre sound alike. Um, so Sitri has power over love or lust, and it was pretty fascinating that we found uh, an Akkadian goddess with virtually the same name, Siduri.
2: And what's worth adding as well is, of course, when a spirit has power over love or lust, they're almost definitely going to be a female. Um, not all the dukes are females, it seems, but most of them are. There being an overwhelming number of dukes, um, there are 23 dukes in the Goetia. There's only one Saturnian spirit, but there are 23 Venusian spirits, which is undoubtedly an artifact of the fact that there are so many goddesses and so many female spirits. I mean, of course there are. So, and of course, uh, uh, Pidre. of course, was a, was a fan. Was, this whole project has seemingly been guided by a certain amount of serendipity. Um, we keep finding a lot of these things seemingly by accident. It's how a lot of these revelations come about. It's how, I, how we discovered Dandallians Why don't
1: you talk about that one, Mike? That one's a fun one. Well, Dandalion is interesting because Dandalion, according to the uh, Greek legend, is the son of Lucifer himself, um, and one of only two in in the Greek legend. So that that makes Dandalion very significant. But Dandalion is is also interesting because of the Hebrew meaning, which shows a a potential fusion of the names Dandalion with the name Dandalion. Dantalium now Dantalium is hebrew for judge of the sheep and in the bible sheep are referred to as innocent souls and uh, Dantalion has the unique ability to uh, go into the souls of, of any living person and read their minds or change their minds um very peaceful fascinating spirit um and uh, what was interesting is we were trying and trying and trying to find what that name meant, and I was looking at the wrong letter. I was looking for Tau uh, instead of Tet. Uh, so I, I was looking for Dentalian, and it was like Judge of the Quiver, and that just seemed kind of unusual and kind of meaningless. But then I decided, well, let me look up Tet, because Dantalian, uh Max isn't convinced that that's it. So so I looked up uh, the Tet uh Part of the lexicon that okay. that that letter in the alphabet and then i found to which meant sheep and uh th- that was a very beautiful expression of who dentalian is and so is a second name of dentalian which is galafel or galgafel galgafel means skull of El or angel of the skull um, which is very perfect for a spirit that gets into your skull and can read your mind
2: Uh, what's also very interesting um, is the, I mean, it occurs with some of these spirits that, um, like Dantalian, uh which is also interesting because the first, what was one of the first spirits that I was sort of etymologically in, investigating and serendipitously discovered it comes, there is also an etymological root from dandelion, which is, of course, the flower dandelion, which may itself, therefore be an incense. Um, But it means in French, tooth of the lion, or you could say the seed of the the lion, the the chip off the old block, as he is son of Lucifer, Lucifer proper, the light bringer for Venus. And the one thing that when you look at the entire list of where all of these demonized gods come from, the one thing they all have in common. Some of them are from the Middle East. Some of them are from Greece or Rome. Some of them, in fact, may be from England. There's one, Andras. That has multiple possible meanings, and we believe it to be the Roman goddess Eris. But it could also be the um, Boudicca's god, Andrasta. She may have been demonized out of spite for being so successful, About uh, in fighting the Roman Empire. And it's the Roman Empire that unites all of these spirits, whether that's from North Africa, Iberia, South France, England, Italy, Greece, the Middle East, or Egypt. This is a Roman Catholic demonization of their rivals. Some of the earliest ones were clearly demonized by monotheistic Deuteronomists, the ancient, uh, and a good portion, like most of them have ancient Near Eastern, Middle Eastern, then of gods. Some of them are just simply, Was well, aim is a, some of them are like groups, aim is like a group of witches' souls, or of their low life, and uh, as is Shack, which is a, um, a, de- a a demon from the Testament of Solomon, which is um uh anthrop- uh like a demon anthropomorphic personification of the deacons of the night sky there being thirty six um and Mike was the one you you're the one who really were able to identify that one. That one was, was quite the fascinating revelation to me. Um but this is we can see the misogyny I'm of gonna the stop early wait church. wait wait
0: whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa guys before we get a before we run out of time here i i i we've got to deal with the uh with, with this the question of the of the egyptian ancient egyptian day and night demons because that for a long long time that has been theorized as the whole source of the Galatia. so we got it. Mike, we gotta you had a revelation with, on with, that today. Uh, yeah, 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 that whole sequence of day and night demons, uh, and the Deccans You know, you know, you know. It, it's, it's it's all it's all from Wallace Budge's Gods of the Egyptians, the, the, the Zodiac and everything. So, you guys want to deal with that a little bit? Let's, let's 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 talk about the ancient Egyptian aspects of this. Did we find any?
2: Oh yeah, uh, well, well, you had a revelation on that today.
1: Uh, uh, well, one thing that, that that's interesting is that there's four kings, um, but there's an Ogdoad of, of chaotic entities from which all creation springs. And um, so with the four kings are paired four queens. So that means that you have four kings of the Goetia, but you can't forget that there are four queens that are supposed to be sitting with them. Um, now, as far as the 72, that would mean 36 and 36. Um, one thing that we found that was fascinating from the Testament of Solomon is that there are 36 spirits of the Deccans and these spirits, it seems like they split in two so that there's a, a dark side and a light side, uh, a, a demon and a, a, a cacodemon, um, that uh, are, are are reflected throughout the goetia that expands upon these thirty six. Um, I'm going to let now you that's speak what a little bit to that. Now. Oh, oh, okay. Do you want to speak to that a little bit, Max?
2: Well, one of the things that was suggested in Stellar Stamonum by David Crowhurst was um, a fairly clear realization that comes about when examining closely examining the goetia and that is many spirits appear to be doubles of each other, specifically doubles, as if the spirits have been doubled, or you could say 36 spirits have been split in half. Um, it's hard to place them truly as the, de- the decans, but um, that, is, that, I believe, is the reason there are 72 of them in the Goetia an early attempt to systematize these things and to align them to the decan. So, whilst many of them, most of them are ancient gods, they have been utilized to represent these decans um, and split in such a way to give them what, the word that was used by Crowhurst was syzygy, in that they pair in a certain way. Some spirits pair in a very obvious way, like, again, Zagan and Harganti. Others, less obvious. Some of them seem to be associated through powers, others through appearance, um, and others through name. Um, And we think we may, on the Egyptian question, have identified a strange code. In the sigils, the actual sigils themselves have certain motifs and notably in the sigils such as for, uh for bellef uh fascinatingly, she has little love hearts all through her sigil, as do several other female spirits and when it comes to Egyptian spirits, they might and we're not hundred percent sure on this but we're but it's it's very convincing that the spirits that have wing like motifs that would be um like Ipos, Horus and Siri are almost certainly Egyptian spirits. So there are little hidden codes all the way through this thing, like dukes being mostly female, or the powers of love mostly representing women. Um, Or, again, another strange thing, that if they teach you uh, useful things, specifically philosophy or uh, theology, They're probably a god. Um, Others seem to be more like forest spirits or little fairies, Mm -hmm. like the uh, mischievous pair of Halphath and Malfath, who seem to be a syzygy of a white bird and a black bird. They do pretty much the same thing, but it's quite clear that they're supposed to be linked together as their powers complement each other rather perfectly. The white probably represents the more feminine, and the black probably masculine, and that is oh. that is speculation, of course. I mean, all of this is strictly speaking speculation. Uh, okay. But some speculation is we could say um, is, is equal, but some is more equal than others. Um, and certainly, these spirits seem to be doubled up. So I think that I I think that might answer your question. Do you feel that answers your question, Pope? Well,
0: yeah, yeah, I think it does. And I think uh unless you could think of uh something important that we have uh, we've missed, I think we ought to just about wrap this thing up uh we've given what? we've given our we've given our listeners an awful lot to think about and and yes. an awful lot to look forward to because uh, uh a lot of this information that that we've been talking about tonight will be in will be in the, especially in the footnotes uh the of uh, the Galatia in the second edition of Solomon's Magic, which will be going to press probably before the end of the year uh,
2: I will say this on that note, yes, this is a lot to digest, and it has been an epic project like I can only think of it in the same way that Tutankhamun's tomb was discovered by a small little shepherd boy who searching for water put his foot through the top of the tomb and exposed yeah. this unbelievable cave of mysteries. And that is exactly yeah. how I feel. I have just did oh, I, I did this to fill some space and now we months later we have this has been an, a labor of love and it has been epic and serendipitously guided. I would like to thank Bellef, the spirit who seems to insist that all of her girls be recognized because there are just so many things to express about this project that I I could talk about it for days and I won't, but I will say, <laughs> by heaven's sake, I look forward to people reading and investigating and Looking into this and getting their hands on this book and enjoying
0: the heck out of it. Well, of course, and what I'm looking forward to is exploring the exploring the nature of these uh, these entities that we have rediscovered in the temple. Yeah, we we have yep. a, this is an invitation to some very exciting temple work.
2: Yes it and, is. That is absolutely I, absolutely. I'm really, I am mean, really
0: really looking forward to it. And I think those of you uh out there in uh in computer radio land uh I would like I would like to uh uh to kind of suggest that maybe you might uh get off get off your get off your tails and 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 stop just reading and and listening to uh, listening to podcasts and and reading books and get down in your get down in your in your temples and do some work and this is what and these spirits have and as we have said about goethe spirits over and over again they love you they love you they want to meet you they want to talk to you they want to share to share their knowledge with you and so and what we've done is we've opened up a whole a whole new uh new realm of 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 goetic mysteries that you can now explore and I guarantee you that these entities will very much enjoy sharing all this with you. Just as and as, absolutely as just really as Fratter Solomon and and, and, and Fratter Sithmith have enjoyed sharing this with us tonight. And and, uh, and 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 I have certainly enjoyed enjoyed uh, hosting hosting them to do so. And so until next week and more Hermetic Mysteries. Uh, good evening and good magic. Lucky Land Casino asking
1: people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess.
2: Haha,
0: in my dentist's office.